Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome listeners, Brendan here with Mark, episode 254, Friday, August the 12th, 2022. And Mark, have you recovered from our rendezvous in Darwin for the Exotics Conference? And we've already posted a couple of episodes about the conference, and I think we've got another keeper one which we will post at some stage as well. It was... It was a good break, wasn't it, Mark? And it was fantastic to catch up with people. And I I have not even gotten close to recovering yet, Brendan. It was good to um, to catch up and and see people face-to-face. And, uh, yeah, all together it was um, an awesome conference. I know I uh, snuck into a couple of the sessions, uh, the dental sessions, after you headed off. Um, and the whole conference had a, a really positive vibe and um, and lots of um, uh, useful tips. One of the things about the conference for me, Brendan, was that um, in the sort of two years um, that we haven't, you know, coronavirus has stopped us having those conferences, um, There's there's been quite a few new products on the market um uh, quite a few new ways to do old things i think and um and yeah a couple of the presentations highlighted new products and ways to use them that i thought might be quite applicable so yep as well as catching up with people getting a few new tips for practice it was all pretty damn good yes well do you want to chat about any of those products mark was there anything in particular that sort of piqued your interest what was the one that did pique my interest and you probably know more about it than i do with the because oh, we've used uh antibiotic impregnated methyl methacrylate beads with with mainly good success but the um the the uh, presentation on the i think it's carrier um uh, antibiotic impregnated absorbable calcium sulfate oh, yes. beads. Yes, yes. I'm made on I'm, I'm I'm a bit smitten by these things. I think there's lots of uh, situations. I think the presentation we saw was for a uh, osteomyelitis in a tor a freshwater turtle. Um and uh, who who did that presentation? Was it Oh, oh, I'll have to look it up, Mark. Um, okay. But um, it so was a good presentation, mis- despite the fact someone. <laughs> forgotten <laughs> their name. Yes. Um, and those beads, so I think that the, the particular brand that they were talking about was you could purchase it in a sort of ready-made kit, kit. Um, that looked fairly simple. It was from the US, I think. Uh, and not cheap, it, but not ridiculously expensive. And, um, and crikeys, I know the... The fiddling around we went to with um, that beautiful pictorial article in uh, um, the uh, exotic DVM magazine, that was our guideline for making up those uh, methyl methacrylate beads, and um, and it was fiddly, and it smelt a little bit as you mix the chemicals for the uh, methyl methacrylate, and, uh, and you were worried, I was worried, um, we tried to use science with the antibiotics we were 
putting into the beads and expecting them to elute. But, um, but geez, the best science for that circumstance might not have been very good, I wonder. But whereas the science for uh, these um, these uh, beads, these um, pellets, uh, seems to be much sounder. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to give them a crack, Brendan. Yeah, they did look good, Mark. They did look good. Lots of it's always fun wandering around the uh, the trade exhibits and not just saying hello to people, but seeing what new products are there and having a bit of a play and a and a poke around the new gear that's there, Mark. Even if you don't end up purchasing it, so it was good. It was great to have a conference, a face to face conference again, as we mentioned in the previous episodes. Um, I think we should. Firstly, say if we've got some new subscribers, Mark, or listeners, vetgurus at gmail.com, the place to go to. Look at all our previous 253 episodes and vetgurus.com, uh, sorry, is the correct email, uh, podcast address, <laughs> the website, and vetgurus at gmail.com is the place to send us an email. Say hello, where you're from, what are you up to, all that sort of thing. And um, tell us what sort of country or region in the world you are listening from. We always are thrilled to hear amazing support from weird and wonderful places, Mark. I'm always surprised at the reach of our podcast, Mark. It's um, it's fascinating. And also thank you to all our sponsors and our sponsors on our patreon website uh, wasn't it good link. catching up with the sponsors at the conference Brandon? it was so we had two of our three main actual podcast sponsors there specialized animal nutrition jen and the gang and jen was there in person and also andrew chalmers who's the owner of chemical essentials which is the distributor of the f10 products here in australasia so it was great to catch up with them and we also went out to dinner uh, with with um, Andrew as well. Was it dinner or lunch? It was dinner, wasn't it? I remember now. <laughs> it was a good dinner. It was a good dinner now that I remember it. Actually, it was, a, it was good in several respects, that, um, Not especially the fact that it was only 200 metres from our apartment, Mark. So um, that was useful at the end of the night, I think. <laughs> So it was a good night. So thank you to our sponsors, our ongoing sponsors, and to any of our new supporters. And I think with that, I'm gonna. We have two really quick news stories this week, Mark, and they're they're both from the Royal College of Veterinary Science scientists, um, mrcvs.co.uk is their website. And my first one, Mark, is or and my only one is the Rabbit Friendly Vet Awards return for 2022, which I found this was quite fascinating mark um, they have collaboration with the rabbit welfare association and the fund the awards are open to uk-based practicing vets mark so sorry mark you miss out and nurses <laughs> which have demonstrated exceedingly exceeding levels of care and advice to rabbits guinea pigs and owners so i think it's a great idea and they've had these awards previously and they have eight award categories there mark including rabbit vet of the year rabbit vet nurse of the year support staff of the year practice of the year student of the year rabbit friendly charity practice of the year guinea pig friendly practice of the year and rabbit awareness week campaign of the year and nominations were opened on 8th of august which was only a few days ago and 
are free to submit. So if you have a rabbit or guinea pig friendly vet practice in the UK that you um, like to support, um, it's worthwhile. Go to our vet uh, website and you'll be able to click on the link for this. Um, it's a good idea, Mark. Um, we should have something similar here. Let's uh, let's pinch that and, and suggest it to someone who can do something with it. Gee, you could stop at nothing there. With that, you could go. You could have ferret friendly practices. You could have um, reptile friendly vet awards. You could have bird vet awards. You could uh, could I be never the ending. Only, the, well, the only thing, the only criticism I have of the whole process is that uh, I like the idea of celebrating all the you know um, the people that that uh, often compete in these awards are very, very, um, very good, obviously. They wouldn't get an award otherwise. But um, there's lots of people who maybe don't play that game, who still do a good job and aren't celebrated. Uh, but I do like the idea of uh, an award system each year that uh, that people can um, uh, uh, be nominated for and, and it celebrates that particular niche of exotic animal practice, I reckon it's it, it, it will transpose to Australia well, Brendan. Yes, so that's it. That's all I've got, Mark. What if what do you have for well, mine, the news? My, the, 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 one of the positive things about the awards, um, the whole self esteem of veterinary practice, leads segues nicely to my article on um, one of the reasons uh, published recently in the veterinary record, which talked about. Um, talked about the reasons that vets might lose self-esteem and uh, begin to think about um, leaving the the profession um, and looking for career change. And um, the, the topic investigated was rudeness towards veterinary professionals, um, which was uh, associated with high levels of, unsurprisingly, depression and anxiety, um, increased risk of burnout, um, and the idea of um, emotional labour, um, which suggests that veterinary employees must offer professional service with a smile, even if the customer is acting impolitely, um, may be a key factor in, in uh, connecting the dots between client rudeness and uh, increased anxiety and the risk of burnout. Um, and I, you know... It's great that this stuff makes it to the formal literature, um, but crikey's, it's n it's no surprise, is it, Brendan, that um, that those of us in practice who deal with the general public and see the general public's, uh, on average, um, increasing short temper, um, would you know would see that uh, that maybe interacting with the general public might not be a long term plan for us to stay happy yes it's all a bit sad isn't it i went as we spoke off air this morning mark before we commenced the recording i went and had some bloods taken from myself this morning for my annual blood screen at uh, a local blood collection point and it's just a bit sad that yes a lovely lady who um, collected the blood from me and Thank goodness this year, Mark, um, they managed to clean stick, as I told you the story last year, that I was um, poked and prodded and butchered quite um, aggressively and I ended up with a massive um, hematoma and severe bruising for about a week and, gee, it hurt. Um, 
Uh, and this this year, yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, I was as she was taking the blood from my arm, I um, was looking around the um, little um, um, office there, and there was a big poster saying, you know, we do not tolerate abuse, and it's sad that you know businesses and people and GPs etc have to have these sort of posters around now um, because of the epidemic we've had with you know people getting angry and and um, not not being kind and 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 compassionate and um, tolerant mark so but I suppose it's the world we live in these days isn't it but I still I don't like it yeah um, I really like the way that you make your little part of the world just the way you want it to be you share that uh, tolerance and kindness and compassion around whether it's at work or home or in darwin and i admire you for it brendan <laughs> i don't know how you said segue to that mark but yeah. i think we'll move on to the main topic ferret desexing now we've covered the surgical desexing of ferrets and castration previously and, and we've mentioned about the estrogen toxicity in the females but we could put it all together, I think this week, Mark, with a with a general sort of overview of this particular topic, um, and we'll we'll get stuck into it, Mark. And the first one is the obvious question that owners will say to you if if you suggest that they have their ferret desexed, they turn around and they say, "Why, Brendan? So why, Mark? Why do we desex your <laughs> ferret?" Well, the first reason is um, that they're just better behaved. Um, that uh, ferrets charged with uh, 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 sex steroids are more likely to get into trouble. They're more likely to bite. They're more likely to um, escape. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, bad behaviours uh, that make it difficult to manage a pet ferret that are less likely to occur uh, once a ferret has been desexed. Absolutely. So that also applies <laughs> to other species as well. Um, and the the other obvious one that clients, I think it's rare that a client won't won't realise it is that, that the aspect with breeding, especially if they have um, more than one of each sex mark. So to, um, to stop um, a whole lot of little kits, um, little baby ferrets running around mark so the breeding aspect um the other one relating to the um, ferret specific um issue with desexing is the ferret smell mark so do you want to talk mm. about that yeah i do um and uh, i think this is a really important thing to talk about because there are two aspects to the odor of ferrets the first one is um the uh um the the, the uh, scent gland the anal sac-like structure um, near their anus that um, that they release when they are stressed, um, and that produces a horrendous smell um, that doesn't leave you for days. Um, and the more general body odor, which is the result of um, chemicals that are in the oils of the skin glands um, all over the body. Now, desexing a ferret does nothing to remove that uh, um, odor from the scent gland, that's a, that that remains intact, um, but it does have the benefit of because the animal is more compliant, is is less likely to be stressed and less likely to express those uh, the contents of those anal sacs. Um, but definitely, the more general uh, uh, body odor 
that arises from those uh, glands all over the ferret, um, they're much reduced by the absence of sex steroids. And so um, the ferrets in general um, smell not nearly as overwhelming. Now, some people like that smell. I don't. Um, But I think it not being there is a general good thing. They'll always have that ferret musky smell. But, yeah, a lot of the smell that exudes from them, including the skin, um, is dramatically decreased when they are desexed. So, yeah, I agree 100%. And the other big one, which is the the obvious ferret-specific one, is the estrogen toxicity, which is the basics of a female ferret that comes into season or heat if she is not mated or brought out of season or heat, then potentially she will develop estrogen toxicity and and anemia. And if you're really unlucky, or the ferret's really unlucky, uh, it may end up dying from that or or developing secondary um, conditions from that really severe anemia there. Um, Interestingly enough, Mark, a little aside here, uh, (laughs) I've seen a reasonable number of ferrets that have had the estrogen toxicity where they have had very low PCV or lowish PCV but I have not seen one that has died Mark from this have you? Yes we have uh, seen one that has gotten down to a PCV of um, of eight many years ago before we had Desloralin and um, and we were we um, tried to manage that ferret with uh, blood transfusions and supportive care and and uh, um, and the poor thing didn't make it. So I definitely have seen one that has died. Um, uh, and Yeah, I think I've been lucky. I think the, the, the lowest PCV I had in a ferret, which I, they did have another ferret, so we managed to get another, uh, uh, some blood from that little companion. It was PCV of about 12 or 13, Mark, and that one. Um, survive so but we cover we cover estrogen and toxicity in in one of our other podcasts so you can do a little search at vetgurus.com for that um so that's a, the reasons why we like to do sex and behavior issues are that stopping the breeding that the ferret smell estrogen toxicity in those females and also there's a there's a general thought i think that that the desexed animals potentially on average may live longer than the um, undesexed animals as well. So what's our approach to the desex in Mark? Uh, perhaps if we start with the boys, and uh, I, th- I think there's sort of two g- general things we talk about here. Um, and before we talk about the desex in generally with the boys and the females, we should talk about adrenal gland disease, I think, and, and get that one out of the way first. And this is the reason why we we consider if we are going to surgically desex a male or a female ferret that the general thoughts are that we desex them later than well as late as possible but certainly later than six months of age because there is a direct link with early desexing of them and adrenal gland disease as they age these animals and that introduces the other method of controlling this issue and and with the implants as well doesn't it mark um so so that's our sort of intro to the actual surgical options and and chemical options of it but if we get back to the males there mark what 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 is your recommendations if you had a client who brings in a let's keep it simple and and practical a five-month-old male ferret what what are your suggestions and they're quite keen on doing whatever dr mark suggests well, we're pr- 
pretty keen to um, to aim for them to be dissexed about six months of age. So we would book them in um, four weeks down the track. Like you said, there is a, a strong argument um, that the longer they are entire, um, the more seasons they go through, as it were, the less likely it is they'll end up with adrenal disease. And so we do play that a little bit by ear in terms of the circumstance of the owner. Um, and so we might well delay that for up to another um, uh, six months. We might be dissexing them at 12 months of age in certain circumstances. Um, but, um, but yeah, generally we'd be booking that ferret in only four weeks down the track if it was a five-month-old boy. And... What and I'll tell you what I do with my ferrets at that sort of age, Mark. Um, so what do you do with them when they come in back in in a month or so? Are you surgically desexing them, or are you starting to consider or switching over to using the chemical desexing, the Desloren, the Superloren implants? With well, them? well, we we traditionally would have um, uh, surgically desexed them at that age, um, but as you hinted, there's an increasing body of evidence that suggests. Um, uh, whacking an implant into them, um, letting the effects of the um, gonadotrophin-releasing hormone uh, um, relatives, um, uh, uh, similar types of chemicals, uh, desloralin being the one in um, the uh, the implant we use, um, that um, that they may be better off getting those at that stage. What do you do, Brendan? We do exactly that, yeah. So my my sort of standard these days is for the young and and with the girls as well as we'll get onto that. Um, if if I have a ferret that's around that yeah six to eight months of age, uh, I will use the implant as my um, treatment of choice initially, and then down the track, and that implant in the, in a ferret will last in the boys and the girls for anything up to you know at least one year, but but potentially two or three years. So for that male in question that we're talking about here, I would be then getting it back in 12 months and, and usually I'm recommending that we go to surgical desex in um, one year after we implanted it. Um, and with the girls, um, we may may consider going with just implants every every year or two or three. But um, it, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Um, my general thoughts are with most of them, if probably nine out of ten of them, there's the occasional exception that we implant them at that six to eight months age bracket and then we surgically desex them, whether a, a female or a male, um, one year later, Mark. Uh, that's the unsurprisingly, that's exactly the the sort of zone we're in at the moment. Um, doing exactly the same thing. Um, it is a little bit of a uh, you know, as more data comes to hand, it's a little bit of a uh, labile area of recommendation, and um, and it wouldn't surprise me that two or three years down the track, we have more data that suggests that we do just continue to keep the keep them implanted, as it were. Yes, uh, but at the moment. Um, we are we do the the implant at six to eight months and um, desex them twelve months later. And sometimes that's an option that you know the client might um, prefer. They may be you know terrified of of having their little ferret undergoing general anaesthesia, and that's the reason why they don't want surgical um, methods. Um, the 
there's reasonable information out there showing that the implants, I'm um, using them um, year after year or, or whenever appropriate, that will do the trick and we don't need to do anything else there. Um, there is some comments on some of the former forums that, that potentially the females may may develop um, uterine issues um, long term, for instance, um, pyometron, etc. Um, have you had any experience with that? Um, no, we haven't. We have. We, I've seen those same comments on a number of fora, and um, and I'm yet to see a um, case of uh, pyometra that I could associate in a ferret that I could associate with an implant. So um, I don't know that the numbers are sufficient for me to make hard and fast conclusions, but um, it's not an overwhelming worry for us at the moment. Yeah, right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> same experience, Mark. So, briefly, let's. So, we, you know, I think we agree here. I um, mean, that we <laughs> we tend, to, as usual, we go with the implant when they're around about that six to eight months of age, and then we um, think about surgically desexing them a year or so later. And technique-wise, Mark, are there any particular tips or tri tricks you recommend with the desexing of the male ferrets and the female ferrets? Um, there's nothing um, overwhelming, you know. We just uh, uh, do a pre-scrotal incision in the males and um, and castrate them as we would normally. Um, they don't seem to have the same um, wound damaging um, tendencies as uh, as maybe our uh, rodent friends do. Um, that you've got to orient yourself in the body if you trying to enter the abdomen in maybe a usual cat-like position um, you won't end up over the the, um, the ovaries you've got to adjust the incision um, to the elongated shape of the ferret for the females but um but yeah pretty standard surgical procedures yeah i think the good news with male ferret desexins is it's it, it is a pretty straightforward procedure isn't it i i a lot of people use two high sort of scrotal incisions, but I think I do the same as you, Mark, and one sort of pre-scrotal or high scrotal and milk both testes into that one incision and we manage to remove it through that one incision. Um, I just use a bit of tissue glue for the closure, nothing else. Um, and as usual, um, lots of pain relief um, pre-op perioperatively and post-operatively for them and, and but we rarely have any issues um, with, with the boys um, with the girls I suppose the only thing I tend to mention to vets who are inexperienced with dealing with um, ferrets is that that ovary can be a little bit problematic a little bit of a challenge um, identifying the vessels there because it tends to be surrounded by a big wad of fat doesn't it mark so and you just have to gently tease out the vessel and, and, and um, identify it before you clamp off that ovarian vessel there. Um, I suppose that's the main difference that I tend to tend to stress there. And they can be a little bit friable, um, those, those um, uterine horns with them. But apart from that, it's a straightforward ovarian hysterectomy with, with the girls as well. Um, I tend to go with intradermal sutures in the girls and try not to leave anything poking out that um, the little ferret will have a bit of a gnaw on and, again, fill it full of pain relief. Um, so, yeah, I, th um, I think they're, they're, they're 
pretty good ones to do. I quite enjoy doing the ferret T-sections. Um, the only thing, other, other warning I would suggest to um, everybody is just be wary of the overzealous veterinary nurse doing the scrubbing mark, especially in those boys around those testicle area, because you'll know if you've expressed those anal gland equivalent there because, uh, you know, it's, those scent glands in ferrets, they're pretty irritant, aren't they? And they um, really get up your nose and you'll be smelling that ferret pungent odour for the rest of the day um, if um, you've had somebody scrub that backside area fairly vigorously, Mark. Yes, nice and nice and gentle. A light hand is a good rule of thumb for uh, the, that region of the ferret. And then, I, and then, I, after I've castigated my nurse about doing that, I then make my incision and squeeze the anal glands, and um, <laughs> with my first incision there in that prescrotal area. So yeah, so everything's undone, and I get a big whiff. Luckily, the mask does tend to. Um, Dilute it a little bit. Yeah. What I want to know is how it gets through <laughs> your surgical gloves and onto your hand and stay there for two days. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then, as usual, my spouse does not want to be anywhere near me. For um, Well, that's um, her excuse anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So that's our D-sex in a ferret summary, Mark. Um, the, the questions I often get from vets who would email in or phone in would be how long does the does Lauren implant last and yeah you look at the studies at literally anything from one year to three years and I think the registration for for example it's used for for helping get rid of the clinical signs of adrenal gland disease is one year but even with those, the studies for that it could last up to three years so it is variable within ferrets um so if if you want to play safe, you just do it every year. Um, if you're just going with the implant only. Um, now, but Brendan, I've got a couple of quick just before we close up, a couple of quick questions about the implant. Um, I know that in other um, discussion groups, there's been concern about um, the waxy implant fracturing and changing the the um, the rate of evolution of um, the Deslorelin. Have, have, have you? Yes perceived any because ferrets would be very difficult to maintain that single um uh that single implant without it getting some sort of crack or something in it um and which implant are you using there's there's two isn't there um yeah well the the what is it 4.8 is like i'm the smaller one um i'm not sure if you can still get the the larger one these days but um Yes, uh, I, I'm just try. I, I logically, it makes sense that if uh, you have a problem with the implant and it does break or snap uh, as you've injected it there, then the absorption rate of it will be will be affected there. And I'm sure I've had some that that that's probably happened. I, I just try and um, stop the. Ch- decrease the chance of that happening up by being really careful i mean my technique for implanting ferrets is i do give them a brief gas down so yes. we we crash crash induce them um and the, uh, potentially in a in a consult so the client sits in the waiting room and um we we take the ferret into the surgery crash give it a pre-oxygenated crash induce it takes a minute 
also to induce um, that way we haven't got a wriggly ferret and especially in the boys they've got pretty damn tough skin haven't they um, oh, yeah. between the shoulder blades there and it's a pretty big needle um, so away we go with the needle um, we put a little dob of tissue glue where the hole was um, and we I have a gentle little feel to make sure that the the little implant the little cigar-shaped sort of implant is still intact and then we give it a little whack of some meloxicam subcutaneous um, and wake it up and it's out the door five minutes later. So that's yep. that's the technique that, that we use at my practice. Um, but, yes, I'm sure there's uh, how I've never, to be honest, I've never measured any sort of levels to, to see if no. it's um, um, decreased or not with them. Um, if in doubt, uh, I've, I've just done another implant well i think the the you know working from first principles if there's a greater surface area the drug will elute more quickly and you might get closer to the one year than the three year result is the only thing i'd expect but i think it's more of a theoretical concern than a, a practical worry for us um, that was the direction i was headed in with that question yes good question mark as usual was was one other or that was a that was no that'll uh, do us that will do us well I think Mr Atromans here so we'll talk to you all next week and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thanks.